This week, we're continuing Cruel Beauty by Rosamund Hodge, otherwise known as I Think I'm Allergic to Virginity. Hi, readers. I'm Jordan. And I'm Katie. And welcome to Not Another Heroine Season 2, the podcast where we break down the best and worst fictional heroines of any genre. (laughs) Because that's what we do now. Want to see what's next on our TBR list? Subscribe to us on YouTube or follow us on Instagram for a sneak peek at upcoming content or to help us pick our next book. So, (laughs) fucked up stories. Welcome to Back to Cruel Beauty Part 2. Yep. Uh, And it's just more fever dreams uh, because she goes into a library and she opens up a book. I can't read (laughs) anything. This was well done, though. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because this gave me fear. That Mm. didn't come out right, I don't think. I understand you, though. (laughs) (laughs) Because she just, like, opens it and she, like, has to force herself to, like focus on it but then she's getting like a headache because all the words are moving around and like blurry and like i imagine that's how people feel what's the i think it's a phase when you lose the ability to speak like you can't form words it happens to people with seizures sometimes yeah yeah yeah. uh it's it's aph is what it starts with um yeah and i can't pronounce it but i feel like that's that's what it seemed like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it also, like, you know when you're drunk and you're trying to focus on things? Yeah. And, like, everything is moving? That's how I imagine this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, the whole library and she can't read anything. And, and then names are crossed out in yeah. some of the books. And Be- she's like, this is weird, you know, literary censorship. Mm-hmm. And then also, doesn't it feel like someone's watching her or something? Yeah, <laughs> because she's not alone in the library, right? She runs into um, Ignifax, right? Is he in the library? Or doesn't he come to the library? I don't know. Honestly, at this point, maybe. Like we have <laughs> we do have notes. I will read them. Um because I think she's like in the library and then she gets spooked and then there's like a bell that rings and she's like, Might as well go investigate the bell. Which like at this point, why would you investigate anything that oh, seems in sus? In the house that moves and like makes you lost and <laughs> like leads you to random bird statues. Let me just follow this noise that's, you know, ding dong dingling and ding dong dingling. <laughs> <laughs> And because it, yeah, is equally traumatizing because when she finds where the bell is, it's her husband and this kid. Well, now a grown man. But she recognizes because she used to like play together. Because he's like a stable boy for her father. Yeah. And he's coming to make a deal. And she's like, what the fuck are you doing? This deal is real fucked up, though. Oh, my God. This whole thing is like horrifying. Like it's one of those like, oh, these are bad people. Mm -hmm. Like as a whole <laughs> but like ignifax is even worse yeah because he's like eh, whatever mm, so the deal is this stable boy who's like a grown man says i just want you to kill the husband of the woman i love <gasps> um, and i don't care what it happens to me i just want her to be happy and you're like okay are you a murderer or is there like a greater reason you find out that oh the husband is abusing this girl that the little boy loves and so Ignifax says, that seems like a reasonable ask, except um, the deal is like he has to, the stable boy has to accept the gift that her, his wife, because he's going to marry the girl after her husband is dead, uh, brings with her from her marriage. And so the dude's like, any child of, of this woman, it will be my child, except it's not a child. No, it's but the- he also kind of tacks on that you're also going to go blind. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, within, like, two weeks or something. <laughs> yeah. Like, um. <laughs> like, I don't know. Yeah. That's not a good deal. Yeah. And then, uh, what is the gift? The pox. <laughs> so, but he doesn't know that. So, um, they make the deal. The husband drops dead. And, uh, yeah. and the guy leaves. And it's kind of sad, too, because Nick says this, like, visceral reaction to this and she tries to like yank him away and ignifax is like honey what the fuck are you doing and the guy is like Damocles or damocles damocles yeah he's like no i know what i'm doing like i'll take on all of the pain of this deal by myself like it's only me and she's like well you know there's also a guy that's gonna be murdered like it's not just you really and like, also, these deals always go bad. Yeah, that, that's whole. That's Nix's whole point. Is that like you cannot make a good deal? It's impossible. Mm-hmm. The very nature of these deals, you cannot win. Yeah. Ugh. But he's still this like whatever, and then he leaves, and then you know, Ignifax reveals all this like fucked up things about it. And, and Ignifax like, is like, well, this dude did it hit to himself. Like he doesn't give a fuck. It's kind of like true though, because like I feel like his whole thing is that these people think uh, that. Like, they're the ones, like, the one person that this is going to work out for because they're, like, good enough or wanted enough. Mm-hmm. And, like, even the people who are like, no, I'll take on all of the responsibility for this myself, like, and have that, like, fake shame. Even, like, in their heart of hearts, they, like, really do think that they're still special. And he's like, these people, like, know exactly what they're fucking getting into. And each person thinks that it's going to go, like, good. And it never does. Like It's like every white-collar criminal ever. Yeah. Like, they think, oh, I'm smart enough to get away with this. Mm-hmm. Like, it's and never like, going to oh, happen honey. to me. <laughs> there was a there was a quote I highlighted in this por- portion where Nix asks Ignifax, um, and if he deserves justice, do you think you deserve to give it to him? <sighs> that was like, OK, yeah. hello, writer. Yeah. Um, as a commentary on like greater society, like makes me think of the death penalty, for example, mm-hmm. um, and, and all the controversy over the nitrogen gas execution that they just did in Alabama, because mm-hmm. what other state would do something that fucked up? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Checks out. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, I thought that was an interesting concept. I don't want to get into like politics or like the yeah. death penalty about that, but it's something to think about, like who gets to meter out justice. Because mm-hmm. it also kind of gives me a vigilante justice vibes mm-hmm. of like, why do you get to, you know, determine them guilty execute them batman like yeah <laughs> it sounds superhero cool. ever <laughs> yeah but it's also like what about a jury of your peers <laughs> mm-hmm. no uh so yeah that was traumatizing and nix is kind of fucked up but also i think they immediately have another like intimate moment or like yeah touching each other or something the intimacy is weird in this book and it's always like fade to black except for the kissing scenes and i wish the kissing scenes were fade to black too because they're so poorly written it's like um, i don't want to see this no like you don't feel it at all but yeah but yeah and then life continues on and she keeps still trying doors and then she kind of like works her way back to the main entry room where she first went because she remembers the knife and she starts to think that the fable that her sister told her about the virgin knife and the virgin hand is could potentially be true because she still hasn't slept with ignifax yet <laughs> so <laughs> hold on to that one because it's gonna come uh, later <laughs> yeah so she like goes back to the foyer and like grabs a stool or something and like climbs up to grab the knife yanks it out of the wall and falls backwards into ignifax's arms where he immediately he, yanks the knife back yeah. out of her hand <laughs> it's come like on. girl <laughs> come on man because also uh, oh no she doesn't steal any of the keys yet keys yet no because he he's just... he's wearing these keys every day yeah 
which that doesn't seem very safe, but and any- uncomfortable. Yeah, because like you're also dingling like a cat everywhere you walk. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, uh, apparently he's actually kind of upset that she was trying to get the knife again, and he locks her in a dungeon. Yeah. Oh my um, goodness! And it's dark, and she can't see anything, and she's kind of like she's freaking... like feeling her way through the room, and then she starts touching like this soft thing, and then like her hand moves upward and upward, upward, and then it touches this wet, slimy thing, and she's like, "Oh fuck, what is that?" And it is a dead girl's mouth. She just stuck her whole hand in, and she touched the tongue. tongue. <laughs> she touched the tongue. Oh my god, I can't. I didn't think my voice could go that high, but that's yep. how I felt in the scene. So she's just locked in a dark room with eight dead bodies of the previous wives of Ignifex. And they're all like <laughs> beautifully preserved. Like they look like they're sleeping. Uh, shades of blue, like, you know, the Bluebeard, Bluebeard story where mm-hmm. he had like 12 wives that he killed and kept in his castle. And... See, those are even worse because like they didn't have any kind of like body preservation methods except like the mummies. And like, so, you know, that was like gnarly as fuck because mm. like I saw like a dead possum in a garbage bag the other day. And like, so I can only imagine the <laughs> visceral response to seeing these dead bodies like, yeah. <laughs> So Nix is freaking out. Um, Fair. And then Shade comes to rescue her. Yeah. And then we get another weird, like, intimate thing where he's like, I came as soon as I, like, found out what happened. And it's like, oh, what? Who, yeah. who are, are you? Are, yeah. <laughs> who are you? Why do you care? Like, yeah. it's just. And then she again has some kind of existential crisis about, like, being sexually attracted to Ignifax. But, you know, Shade is a good person. Oh, yeah. Not the same person at all. Oh, my God. And then she's like, why am I like, these are two different men and I'm being like unfaithful to my husband. But like your husband's a demon. But also like, why are you attracted to either of them? Uh, (laughs) And it's been like two days. Yeah. (laughs) Because you've read, this is like pretty far into the book, but it doesn't feel like you're very far into the timeline. No, not at all. Yeah. And I don't even know, like, what really happens next. I think Ignifax, uh, well, she finds the children of Typhus. Oh, yeah. So she steals some key from him at some point during their little chats. Mm -hmm. And then she's like, I'm going to go unlock doors I probably shouldn't have. And girl, like, why would you do that? I don't know. She's trying to find the other hearts of the elements. But didn't didn't Ignifax save her from the children of... Sorry, readers, sidebar. We're trying to get on the same page. Didn't she find the children of Typhus? Ignifax saves her, but Mm -hmm. gets mad that she opened the door with all the shadow demons. Yeah. And then throws her into the dungeon. I I can't remember what piece Ignifax gets mad mm. at. I don't know because there's also the scene where she had like stole a key and it goes into the study and she's not supposed to be in there and she sees the dome that's like an exact replica of their country first. Oh god. And she's like that's kind of weird and then as you like look at it it like zooms in on individual houses and she's like this is really not good. <laughs> yeah. And then there's like a box and she goes to touch the box and then he pops out of no. That's what it is. He pops out of nowhere and he's like, you can't fucking be in here. And then he eats her into the dungeon, maybe. Okay. And then Shade rescues her from the dungeon. And then she uses the other key she stole to continue opening doors as if, you know, seeing dead bodies isn't traumatizing enough. And then this door has all the evils of the world in it. And <laughs> Little yeah. Demon's creepy. Like, yeah. kudos to the writer, though, because the way it's described, like, you feel how ominous this room feels. Um, 
By the way, I hope that was enough of a summary of what happened up until this point, because like, <laughs> uh, I guess takeaways just to summarize real quick is uh, Nick's learned that the entire island nation is trapped in a bubble in the house. Yes. In like a weird box, Pandora's box type of situation. Yeah. Yeah. But, but like, I don't understand. <laughs> I can't conceptualize what that means. No idea. Uh, Yeah. But then the children of Typhus. Scene. Yep. Yeah, and they're just like they have like children's voices and they're like singing a song and she feels like shadows bubbling out of her skin and like dripping out of her eyes and she wants to pe- like physically peel her skin off. Yep, and she's just having a little bit of like a existential crisis and reality is no longer real and she's like screaming on the ground and like writhing in terror. And then Ignifax comes and he's like, you dumb bitch. And then he banishes. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what he says for the most part. Banishes all the demons. And then he's like super mad at Shade, too, for like letting this shit happen. Yeah, which yeah, the whole thing is just confusing. But then like they shut the door. The demons go away. But now Ignifax is still outside at night. And then all these other shadows start like kind of like curling up on him and like burning his skin. Yeah. So after Ignifax saves her, he starts suffering, not from like the same things. And our girl is just like, well, that sucks. Sucks to be you. And then she walks (laughs) away. (laughs) God damn. I did. I will say I I did appreciate the fact that the author let her be that cruel Mm because I feel like sometimes authors try to like caveat so that the, you know, main character is more likable. But she really was just like full send like. Now nah, she a bitch. <laughs> but again, not consistent with her other behaviors. No, because she was just talking about how, like, she can't be unfaithful to him. And it's like, well, like, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so she just leaves him. Uh, but then she, like, starts, like, going back to her room. And then she's like, I kind of feel guilty about it. And then that's the part I didn't like is she goes back and saves him. And then she's like, Shade, bring some candles. And then he stays the night in her room. And it's like, why did you leave him if you're just going to go back him. and save him again? Yeah. It's, yeah. Damn girl. I, that part was very confusing. And then doesn't she, so I don't know if it's, is it the bird again? Where she starts getting glimpses of like weird alternate history with Ignifex? Oh, this is after that. Yeah. Because like after her run in with these shadow creatures, like she's kind of mentally unstable and getting like these whiffs of other history or other visions yeah oh no she finds the heart of air or the heart of she finds another heart or something oh heart of fire right that's Uh, where she gets a lot of the visions yeah but that's later uh because the next scene she goes back to the library and she can read everything but it's like raining inside the library and she's like (laughs) i don't remember that part at all (laughs) girl what is happening in this book yeah because like so I don't know if it's the right order, but I like wrote it down that she went to the library and then Ignifax is there and there's like holes in all the books. And he's like, yeah, my masters are censoring things so that I can't remember. And that's the first hint. You're like, masters? Like, what the fuck? Oh, so you're not writing the show, Ignifax. Yeah. And then she uh, steals keys from him. Yeah. They have some kind of like dance, sexy talk or something. Yeah. She's like, (laughs) like feeling him up or something and like stealing keys and he's stealing the back and then she's stealing more keys. Yeah. Cause that's the beef I had with this is she stole one of the keys and she drops it down her dress and then he sticks his hand down there to grab the key. But then she does it again. And it's like, so you just want him to feel you up because like it didn't work the first time. So why do you think it's going to work the second time? But she does get a key like Uh, eventually. uh, Yeah. That's why I'm. 
yeah. But then he's like, I want to do something nice for you. And it's the heart of Earth I think they go to next. Because, like, he's like, you saved me. So let's go sit outside in this not outside area. And then she's like, why did you take me here? And he's like, I don't know. And then they have some kind of talk about, like, Pandora's box. You might have to fill this one in because I read this and did not know what was going on. <laughs> well, yeah, I think he kind of ex- he kind of explains about the demons, like the children of Typhus and like the gods and the kindly ones, but not really. I don't remember the heart of Earth at all. I.e., that's fair. <laughs> I remember air, fire, and water. Yeah, because it's like they just have a heart to heart in this open field, and then she like realizes it's the heart of Earth, but like. Kind of the most important part, I feel like, is they just talk about Pandora and Prometheus. and Oh, yeah, that whole... How Pandora gets a box and she opens it and then... And that's when Nick starts to put together that she needs to, like, find all the hearts to destroy the house. But if she destroys the house, then it destroys the kingdom, Arcadia or Acadia or something, whatever it's called. Yeah, because it's, like, inside the house and... Yeah. Oh, and then this is where she makes the realization, too, that, oh, I can't destroy the house. I have to destroy Ignifax. Oh, yeah. And so she starts, like, plotting to, like, bring him down. Yeah. That makes sense. And then, because there's some other part where he's, like, sleeping in a room again, and then she tells Shade... Uh, to get the knife and like she swears she's not going to hurt him with it. But then when Ignifax wakes up, she's like, uh, I'll make a deal. Like, I'll give you this knife back that you really want because it can kill you. And then in exchange, you have to help me find your name so that she can defeat him that way and yeah. not kill, destroy the house in their whole world. I forgot about the name thing. <sighs> but then like. Yeah, so she makes a, she makes a deal with him, and they're like, so Ignifax and Nix are kind of working together at this point uh-huh. to find his name and like do all these other things. And then she's explaining to Shade at night like what she's doing with Ignifax. Yeah, and then at this point, this is the fire one, right? Yeah. So she had stolen a key, and then they go to the mirror room. They go to the mirror room, and then she uses the key on the mirror, and it breaks through into another room, mm-hmm. which is like. The heart of fire. Yeah. But it's all like dark and she's going down the stairs and Shade's holding her hand and he's like, it's just a little bit farther. Don't worry. And then he drops her hand once they get to the bottom and she's like, I can't see anything. And then she starts burning alive. Oh, yeah. Feel fire, but she's not on fire and it is horrendous. Yeah. Because like Shade the whole time is like, I'm sorry, but all the other women didn't really last this long, but you're really strong and I think you can do it. And she's like, what the actual fuck? And this is when (laughs) Nyx realizes that Shade has taken five wives down to the Heart of Fire and they have all died in the Heart of Fire. What what makes you think that I'm not going to die too? Yeah, and he's just watching. Shade is just watching her like, like twist in pain and scream. And then she starts having visions. Uh, during the Heart of Fire and she starts looking at what looks to be um, Shade and Ignifax combined into one person. Yeah, who's like, might be the prince of the previous, like, reign of kings that ruled the land before the whole 900-year gentle lord takeover thing. Mm -hmm. But it's all, like, very confusing and convoluted and then she wakes up and can't remember anything. No, but she... She gets enough clues during this vision scene to understand a little bit more about Ignifax. Yeah. And then doesn't uh, Ignifax find her? 
Yeah, because she wakes up in her bed again and he's like, I punished Shade. He's locked in the shadow room with all the children or whatever, because fuck that guy. And because I love he's you. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Apex is like, I love you. I can't like I will never let him hurt you again because he's like killed all of my wives. And this is where you realize like, oh, Shade is actually a bad guy. Yeah. He has killed all. All eight of the women. Yeah, but you're also like, but he was so gentle to you, so you're like confused. But he's not actually a goodie. And then they go to the heart of air. And she loses her virginity. Yep. Which, so I get that this is probably like, what, 60, 65%, and that's normally when, you know. when that happens, yeah. But you have now lost your one surefire way to kill him like just because you're horn doggy you know what I mean like but also the location <laughs> of where this happens it is a garden hanging out in the middle of space I'm allergic to you virginity bless you thank you I think everyone is <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah so like Ignifax takes her for a walk and mm-hmm. then they see like a, what I envision based on this weird ass description is a platform covered in a garden. Yeah. Just hang like suspended in air connected to the ground by a huge metal chain. Mm-hmm. And, and then they're going to fuck on top of it. Yeah. Ignifax <laughs> picks her up and flies her to this garden platform. She's like, oh, it's the heart of air. And then like they have sex. Yeah. That's literally the only thing that ha- like it kind of felt like the author just was like, oh, no, we got to do this like heart of air thing. And, you know, she can't reasonably get access to it. So he's going to grow wings and then they're going to oh, fuck up there. I forgot about the wings. <laughs> yeah. Like, where did those come from? <laughs> yeah. And so they spend some more time together. Yeah. Because this next part, like they just are like hanging out and they're like buddies now. Taking making garden, puzzles, garden walks, so. up and just hanging out, enjoying each other's company. Ignifax, uh, like, is talking to her about her family and her sister. He takes her to her mother's tomb. Yeah, because it's like randomly the Day of the Dead, and like Nix is like, "Oh, I should like one time actually pray to my mom and not be a bitch about it." And it's also, but like, like that's exactly what she says. Yeah, I've been a bad daughter. I've never appreciated my family. I should go to my mother's grave. But it's like, isn't it a little bit late for that? Because you've been like fucking this dude for the last like four weeks and just like hanging just out randomly. And so like this is where Ignifax is supposed to come across, I think, is like, oh, like he's in love with her. He's willing to let her go and do anything. And so he shows her that there's a door in the house that opens anywhere in the world. Uh, He gives her a ring that gives her the power. Oh, no, that's later. Well, he gives her. Yeah. So. Oh, he, yeah, it is a door. And they just walk out into the graveyard. Yeah. And it opens anywhere. So they're there. They have wine at the tomb. And Ignifex has a glass of wine with her and they're like celebrating her mother or something like that. And then I think they the, kiss in front of the two. Yeah. And it also feels like someone's watching them and it's because someone is watching yeah. them. <laughs> and then Nyx has some sort of like uh, crisis over her sister, um, like laughing, like what she saw in the mirror forever and ever ago at this point. Yeah. And Ignifex is like, well, actually, I don't think that's accurate because your sister has come to see me every single day that you have been here and I have turned her away. So sad. It's kind of like when Nesta would go to the wall every day. Yep, exactly like that. And so he takes her back to the mirror and shows her that 
um, her sister is like on mourning. She was like sobbing and wearing like black clothes. Yeah. And so Nyx has, oh my God, I've gotten my sister all wrong. That's all it takes for Nyx, which to me, if you have been living for like 17 years of your life hating someone and your fate, like it's not going to be that easy or that simple to get over that. It would just feel kind of vindicating that she's finally upset about something she should have been upset about her whole life. And if Nyx is supposed to be a cruel character because Ignifax like brings that up repeatedly. Oh, you got a streak of cruelty in you. Oh, you're a little cruel. Oh, I like that. Nyx doesn't act like that. She just acts psychotic. Yeah. Like mental breakdown psychotic. <laughs> but so she sees her sister in the mirror and says, hey, Vex, I need to go talk to my sister and apologize to her. Ugh. <laughs> yeah. I hated this next part. Yeah. So he like gives her a ring that imparts some of his powers into her. So, so it's like that's the part of him that can make bargains and stuff. But it also lets her travel wherever she wants. And so she goes to her house and uh, immediately finds her sister and her sister's like, what the fuck are you doing here? And she's like, I'm like working on killing the gentle Lord. And she's like, well, you're not working very hard because he's not dead. And also I saw you two fucking. (laughs) (laughs) Not quite that, but like the sister was at the mother's tomb because the sister would obviously go there on the anniversary of her death. Yep. And saw them together and having wine together. Having a good time. And sister's like, are you? Are you high? Because <laughs> that was the confusing part because the scene felt like it was some kind of emotional like culmination for Nyx. And now she like understands her sister, you know, was upset the whole time, but was putting on a strong face for her because that's what she thought she wanted. Um, but then the sister immediately gets really preachy and she's like, why the fuck are you like fucking around and not killing him? And she's like, well, I kind of love him now. And she's like, you need to continue to sacrifice your happiness and kill him. But also the sister makes a good point is the gentle Lord has enslaved our nation and kept us buried in this dome of parchment paper for like centuries. Yeah. I'm petty enough that I would still be like. Yeah, but he didn't, you know, have me to sacrifice me. So, I mean, like, at least someone loves me. And now you're asking again for me to sacrifice all of my happiness. But like, Nyx does. She agrees to it. She <laughs> makes, like, a solemn vow to her sister, which uh, she has doesn't think she can break. Yeah. I, like, what? Like, yeah, because I thought you already did that. Yeah. <laughs> and you were con- yeah. kind of content. Continue to break it. <laughs> And then they kind of, like, come up with this harebrained idea to, like, see, like, how far they can go before, like, he dies. So they have to test out, like, the ring's power. And so they go into, like, the attic without lights. And then she gets, like, eaten alive by shadow. And then she, like, understands things. Mm -hmm. Oh, I forgot. So, yeah, that happens. And then Nick's like, I'm sad, but I have to kill Ignifax after spending weeks with him. And he gave you his power and let you go do all of these things. So. I don't understand anything that happened during that part. It was, like, I was very angry about this whole scene. Like, the sister's annoying, but you understand her perspective. Yeah, but it's also like, well, you do it then, bitch. Like, yeah. Because also she's like, has this little like, uh, like shaming moment where she's like, well, I'm still a virgin, so I can still kill him. And it's like, damn, bro, like, let her not die a virgin. <laughs> what? <laughs> yep. Yeah, and because I don't understand, like, what their whole plan is. Like, why they... She goes... So she returns back to the castle Mm -hmm. and, like, has, like, a nice, happy reunion with Ignifax. And then as she's embracing him, she releases the children of Typhus on him. Oh, yeah. Which, that's pretty cold-blooded. That's awful. 
Like, you just went back to murder this man, and he was excited to see you because he's like, oh my gosh, I love you because we've been fucking for the last, like, five weeks, but now you're murdering me. Um, (laughs) yeah, and then I'm not sure what happened then. I don't really either because I think she gets visions during the little attic freakout thing, and it's like something, she sees the prince getting, like, bamboozled about things, And then all of a sudden she goes back and then Shade is there when she's trying to kill him with the shadow demons or whatever. They get to the point where I'm not sure how they get to this point, but Shade and Ignifax combine into one or like split themselves equally in half. Oh, uh, Ignifax and Shade. Yeah. Yeah. Because that was the confusing part is like he's being like eaten alive and then Shade is like. Hehe, <laughs> now is the time. And Ignifax is like, yeah, you're right, buddy. I imagine they like friend power friends oh, yeah. and they like lock hands and then there's an explosion. And then something about like my half of knowing and your half of power. Yeah. But then combined. Now apparently they're like all whole, but if they're both halves, it doesn't make <laughs> any sense. Except that they're all one person. There's an explosion of light and... Everything goes white. Yeah. And we're going to stop there. That's it. (laughs) There's more to come. Oh, yeah, dude. This whole thing is just... What? (laughs) I don't even know. Like, there's there's too much. I can't imagine listening to this as an audiobook. Even reading it was confusing, but I feel like listening to it, you'd be like, wait, but like, how did they get back to this place? Because like, we're even like, how did we get back to this? And this is the second week. (laughs) I know, this is the second time we have consumed the story. (laughs) Oh my God. Okay. Uh, Yeah. So from our shelf to yours, we'll see you on the next page. back and uh for everyone out there katie has never seen mary poppins no so it's the same chick that's in princess diaries right only one of the like stage icons of <laughs> the 20th century because i only know her from princess diaries God, it's julie andrews i'm gonna die oh Sorry. Okay, it's fine. Everything's <laughs> fine. Um, so if you're curious, our last week's episode, uh, that was a Mary Poppins quote, which we had to play for Katie. Yep. <laughs> I had no recollection, memory, concept of anything. The song sounds kind of scary, though, I will say. It's pretty dark. It's about a homeless woman selling breadcrumbs oh. to live. <gasps> and she's singing to the people, feed the birds. That's in the park. Because you also shouldn't feed birds bread. They're gluten and dog. <laughs> Same. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, no. yeah. Just poisoning birds. Mary Poppins is a very sad movie. Why is it sad? Well, it takes place at the beginning of the 20th century. I want to say so. Women's like suffragettes movement. Oh. Mom is a suffragette. Dad works in a bank. Is not home and with his kids ever. Uh, so the kids are pretty much like raising themselves. Ooh. Mary Poppins shows up to be like, "Hey, kids! Like, let's like bring the family together." The whole premise of the movie is like reuniting the family. Mm. Let's go fly a kite. That kind of thing. Mm. Yeah. And then there's some magic involved, mm. uh, like animated penguins. What? <laughs> yep. Speaking of fever dreams. Yeah. Yep. So they don't know her at all? She just like... Come- she, she, I think, comes in as like a nanny. 
Oh, so she gets like hired. Yeah. This isn't just a random well, woman. I think she comes in on an umbrella with a carpet bag and says, knocks on the door and says, uh, hi, mom. I'm here to help raise your kids. Something along those lines. It's really that didn't raise any red flags for anyone. Really weird. Well, I mean, when it's Julie Andrews, everything sounds nice and polite. That is fair. I could see that. I would trust her if she showed up at my door. I'd be like, yeah, yeah, come into my house and raise my children. Yep. Hypothetical children because I don't have children. If she can make my dogs act better, <laughs> oh is there a Mary Poppins for animals? Because please, you've heard a spoonful of sugar helps medicine go down. Have you heard that phrase? Yes, Mary Poppins. Really? Yes. She gives the children a spoonful of sugar. We'll help the medicine go down. She gives them literally a spoonful of sugar. Like legit, like granule sugar? Well, I don't think so. Okay, because that would not make anything go down better. That'd be like cinnamon challenge, but you just shoot sugar it, everywhere. It's, but it's like uh, trying to teach these kids like life lessons, like mm. a little bit of sweetness will help you do your chores and help like tolerate bad things. And Did you ever read the book about the lady who gets brought in when kids are being shitheads and she does kind of like equally fucked up things back to them and then they act right? It sounds weirdly familiar. Yeah, like the one scene that I can remember oh, from it. Yes! Uh, I know exactly what you're talking about. The, They're like children's books, though. Yeah, like the kid refused to eat, and so she gave him like a slowly minuscule size of food for each meal until he's like, I just want to eat food. And she's like, <laughs> right. You learned your lesson, huh? It's like he gets like a grain of rice for dinner. Ugh. Yeah, I this very on theme for Fever Dream, because yep. that's the only thing I remember, and it's a little bit horrifying. Mm. 